Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, if you would, please. We are teaching on the subject of prayer. How many of you have made a decision to adjust your life to God? Amen. Amen. Adjust your life to God, to get involved with God's program, get involved with God's plans and God's purposes, doing what He would have you to do according to the purpose of His will. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, we've been talking about some of the principles to prayer. And the series has been entitled, Successful Prayer. This, I think, is about our third lesson. And first and foremost, we said the first thing that Jesus said about prayer is the fact that one must enter into the presence of God in a secret place and accustom himself to being aware of God's manifest presence. And if that means getting into a prayer closet or getting somewhere where you can just separate yourself to be with God alone out in the woods somewhere, up in a mountain somewhere, at a lake somewhere, at a resort somewhere, in your backyard, doesn't matter where it is, inside your car, find yourself a quiet, secret place where you can practice the presence of God in private devotion. Because when you realize the manifest presence of God, it makes prayer easier and faith easier. Secondly, according to Jesus, that when you pray to be effective, you begin your praying or prayer with praise and worship. So get alone with God, number one. And when you find that place that you are consciously aware of His presence, I'm talking about like as if you're walking with Him and talking with Him, you begin to glorify His name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We love you. I love you. I bless you. I glorify you. I am here to honor you in this quiet, secret place where I have shut everything else out. I am alone with you. And I'm just blessing and praising and magnifying your holy name. Find that place. Get involved in worship of the Father. For He seeks those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And you are well on your way to developing a successful prayer life. How important is prayer? It can make the difference between life and death. Failure and success. It is of utmost importance that God's people learn how to pray. The third thing that Jesus said that we want to look at this evening in verse 10. Matthew 6, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, to be successful in prayer, one must learn to know the will of God. One must acquaint himself with the will of God. One must learn to ascertain the will of God. One must learn to pray according to the will of God, if he or she is going to be successful in his or her prayer life. Jesus was not asking us to pray that the kingdom of God be dropped out of heaven on earth now. He wasn't saying that. He was letting us know that until the kingdom of God is set up on earth, after all things are consummated, it is our duty and responsibility as believing ones on earth to pray that His will would be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven everything is okay. Number one, everything is fine. There's not a problem in heaven whatsoever. Now that the blood has been shed and accepted by the Father, there's a mercy seat, there's a high priest, there's a new and everlasting covenant and everything in heaven is wonderful. But we're not in heaven. We're on earth. And we have a responsibility to see to it 
that we pray the kingdom of God into the hearts of men upon the earth. That we pray the kingdom of God into the hearts of men upon the earth. For you see, that's the will of God. He wanted to make us mindful of the number one will of God. And that number one will of God is to be evangelistic minded, to have a world vision, to broaden your perspective, to broaden my perspective. And don't just get accustomed to going to God for your own personal need. Prayer, successful prayer, does not start with that. It starts with an individual understanding his place in approaching the throne of God to see to it that world evangelism succeeds. That we have a world vision and that we reach out into all the world, all the earth, and pray the kingdom of God into the hearts of men. God is concerned first and foremost about people being saved. You remember he looked upon the earth from the high place of the heavenlies. He saw brokenheartedness. He saw sorrow, sighing, crying, dying, and woes upon the earth. His heart was heavy. His heart was saddened because his creation was affected by death in the fall. He could not tolerate that condition in the hearts of men. He wanted an absolute change to take place. He was so moved, he was so touched that he sent his only begotten son who loved us, who cared for us, who died for us, who rose for us, who took his blood for us, who obtained redemption for us. Amen. He did all that. Why? So that the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of darkness would be removed from the human heart. And thank God, the kingdom of God would be birthed within the hearts of men. Jesus himself said, don't go looking here and don't go looking there. If someone tells you the kingdom of God has come, it doesn't come with observation. It comes within the hearts of men. Amen. That's his concern. That's his primary interest. And you know what? You get involved with what God is concerned about. You involve yourself with God's desired will for mankind. You're palling around with Him. He knows you have His heart. He needs you. So you find a quiet place, right? You say, Father, I love and bless you. And this is daily now. And you say, you know what, Father, before I ever present my need to you, I'm concerned about world evangelism. I'm concerned about the kingdom of God being birthed in the hearts of men. Because I know that's your perfect will. You're not willing that one would perish, but that all would come. And that's why you, Father God, have told all believers to preach the gospel to every creature. Every being upon the face of this earth needs to learn of your love. I'm concerned about that. I am interested in that. And if there's something I can do right here in prayer to see to it that that is accomplished in any possible way, I make myself available to you. I can see him just moving on your heart having you pray for someone in Zimbabwe. I can see him moving upon your heart to pray for somebody in South Africa. I can see him moving upon your heart to get you to pray for people in your own Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Well, I can see that interaction taking place between you and the Father as, as His heart of compassion just wells up on the inside of you and rises. Amen. I want us to look at this very closely because I really believe, beloved, that when Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth or in earth as it is in heaven, He first and foremost was trying to birth within our hearts world vision. To let people have a burden for the world. For a lost and needy humanity. Don't just be concerned about your own little circle and your own family. 
Don't be selfish in your prayer life or in your praying. There's a bigger picture. Have a broader view. Open up your eyes. Gain a better and a higher perspective. Let me show you what's happening out there in the world. You think you have it bad? I can show you some scenes taking place on earth today that would be appalling to you, nauseating to you. I can open up your eyes in, in a flash and enable you to see people in third world countries, children that cannot eat because there's nothing to eat, dying from starvation and malnutrition. I can show you lies that are being offered up to false gods. I can show you things that, as I said, would nauseate you and cause you to see differently the world in which you live. It's in that place that you say, Father, I'm concerned about the world because you're concerned about the world. And if you don't have that world vision, then pray for it and say, Father, give it to me. I pray that your kingdom comes in the hearts of men because that's what's going to cure those problems. That's what's going to set those people free. Those people need to have the gospel message. So I pray for those that are out there in the fields of ministry. I pray for those who have given themselves to you to evangelize the world in which we live. And I want to show you something here in John chapter 17, saints, because we're going to start getting into the area of prayer that we should be praying about, knowing what we should be praying about in prayer. In John's Gospel, chapter 17, you know as well as I do that God loves the world. Everybody say, God loves the world. See, not just me and my four and no more. God loves the world. God loves the world. God is concerned about the world. Starting in our backyard and the entire earth. God wants His will done in the entire earth. And God wants me to be able to join together with Him and see that we achieve that. This gospel must be preached in all the world and then shall the end come. In John chapter 17, verse 21, verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Why? That the world, that the world, that the world, that the world, that the world may believe. How's the world going to believe if the body of Christ is divided? How's the world going to believe if we're not walking shoulder to shoulder in orderly array in the love of God, caring for each other, loving each other? World vision. Praying for the unity of the saints in the body of Christ that we would rise up above that which causes division, schism, denominational barriers. Just break through all that and say we are one in the Spirit. We are one in God. We've got common ground. We've got the same foundation. We've got the same heritage. We've got the same royal blood flowing through our veins. Jesus prayed. Our captain, the captain of our salvation, prayed that we would be one as they are one, that the world would be affected. Setting aside doctrinal differences and saying, we're all washed in the same blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins in unity and harmony and love toward one another so that the world may see. And that world starts in our Jerusalem in our own backyard. Oh, saints of God, I want us to, to rise up to a higher level of understanding with regard to this. Jesus prayed that the people, His people, would be united together, walking hand in hand in harmony of the same mind, of the same heart, of the same spirit, of the same language, speaking and minding the same thing. We've got to tell people about Jesus. We've got to show Jesus through our lifestyle because He's coming again so His kingdom will be birthed in the hearts of men. Somebody say amen. amen. I believe it also means this. 
We need to pray to know the will of God in all things. We need to pray to know the will of God in all things. Jesus said you can have power to remove mountains. But you see, beloved, we need to pray in line with the will of God to remove those mountains. We need to know the will of God in all areas of prayer. And for the most part, many people are unsuccessful in prayer because they do not know the will of God. And if you don't know the will of God, then you've got to discover the will of God. How can we pray the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven if we don't know what the will of God is? People need to be enlightened to the will of God. People need to know what God wills and what God does not will, what God wants and what God does not want. We want the will of God done on earth as it is in heaven. That means we should want the will of God done here in our lives, in our Jerusalem, in our backyard, throughout the entire earth because God wants those things to be done. We need to hook up with what His will is so that through prayer we can give birth to it. And not is it only for men to be saved. We know that's a major part of it. But it includes the whole scope of God's will, does it not? I want to show you how important the will of God is in prayer. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, everybody say, according to His will. Say it again, according to His will. Say it again, according to His will. Next three words, He heareth us. If I want Him to hear me, I've got to pray according to His will. If I don't know His will, I've got to find His will before I pray. Or pray to know His will before I pray out His will. It is essential. It is of utmost imperative importance that we know the will of God. This is where our confidence lies. Boldness, certainty, faith. It is your will that not one man perish, Father. It is your will that all men be saved. So now I know where I can hook up with you. You don't want John down the street to die and go to hell. You don't want Mary in the workplace to die and be lost for an eternity. You want her to be saved and enjoy the glorious presence of a living God throughout the eternal ages. And so, Father God, I'm hooking up together with you right now and I'm beginning my prayer life, targeting her life, Binding the devil in the darkness that blinds their mind. You get the idea. You know that's the will of God. You know that God is listening to you. It doesn't stop with just getting somebody saved. There are many things that, that make up the will of God. But remember, Jesus was here on earth and He said, Look, I have come to do the will of Him that sent me. I'm not here for my will to be done. I am here for the will of the Father to be done. Now, I want you to notice that when Jesus taught about prayer, He first puts God first. Get yourself in a secret place and get to know God. Worship Him as God and you'll begin to manifest His presence and you'll begin to know Him as God. Secondly, know He's concerned about the whole world. Not just your problem. Not just your family's problem. He's concerned about all the earth. And if you have no concern about the earth, you're going to plow up against the stump. He does not want us to be selfish in our prayer lives. He wants us to see the bigger picture. Say, I hook up with you, Father God. Remember, this is daily now. We're not talking about an emergency situation. There's time for us to develop daily a prayer life. And so get involved in that private place of prayer. And say, Father God, what can I do? What contribution can I make? If it's a contribution of prayer, then I pray for the evangelization of the entire earth. I pray that your kingdom would be birthed in the hearts of men everywhere. And if He moves upon your heart by His Spirit and says, I want you to target this country alone, then you know what? Do it. And you will fulfill your responsibility in your life, the mandate He has given you to pray for that country and its evangelization. That His kingdom will be birthed in the hearts of those men. God can do so much with one life. In some cases, it just means to get one person saved in that country. And look out, it'll grow like a wildfire. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, you see, what Jesus was really revealing to us was that men need to operate in the will of God. 
You go back to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus and you discover this. In the wilderness, God told His people, don't you move unless the cloud moves. Don't you move unless the fire moves. In other words, you've got to learn to follow my lead. You've got to flow with what my will is. And if you will operate out of the framework of my will, you'll find out you'll be successful in all that you do. And so when I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. When I go, you go. Now listen, when they failed to do that, they failed to receive the help of God. Whenever they set out to do their own thing and follow their own purpose and follow their own plan, they failed to have the power of God manifested on their behalf. They did not gain entrance into the promised land because the cloud moved. God said, go, and they said, no. Listen to this. They were judged for it, and after they were judged for it, then they said, let's go, and God said, no. Look at the stubbornness of man. You don't go when he says go, and you go when he says don't go, and what happened? They died. They could pray all they want. Oh, Lord, you're going to help us. We're going to go now. You're going to help us. No. They went and they failed and they died because they did not learn the value of operating within the framework of God's will for their lives. You see, beloved, God wants our fellowship. God wants to know we're there for Him to, to, to use if He wants to. God wants us to be in a position where He can speak to our hearts to do something that is in His will and we'll do it. And the only way He can know that we are trustworthy is if we daily position ourselves to be in contact with Him and say, Father God, I know it's another day that I'm going to live, but you know what? It's a day I need Your will. It's a day I need Your wisdom. It's a day I need Your guidance. It's a day I need Your direction. I need to know what You want me to do to have a productive day in Your will for me today and for my life today. And it may be in some small areas of your life, He might tell you to make some adjustments and changes. And you know what? You'd be better off doing that. Sometimes I think when we do things like that, we avert some things that we don't even know about. And you avert it so you don't know about it. And you don't know about it because you averted it. And it doesn't happen. And you may think, well, nothing really happened. But something did happen. What happened was something that didn't happen. You following me? For example, now I don't, I, I don't know the outcome of this at this particular point. I don't know if anything would have happened. But our son, Dante, was scheduled to have his shots three, three, three brutal shots this morning. And, you know, we've been thinking about this and praying about this for a while. And it came up. And last night my wife looked at me and she said, well, what do you think about it? And I says, I, I don't know. I just have an uneasiness in my spirit about it. What do you think about it? She says, I, I kind of feel the same way. And I've never done that before. I've always prayed and said, Father, it's, it's you know, the law of the land we have to obey and our children need to be, you know, have, have their vaccines and vaccine shots and all these different things. And I said, so protect our child. But for some reason today I said, no, we're not ready for that. We're not ready for that. I just had this in my spirit. She had the same thing, so we didn't take them makes you wonder you know you have to sign those releases that one out of a, of a million will get the disease kind of wonder if it's just that one that was about to be given out but you can avert it you know what i'm talking about so you may not know that and i'm not saying that's the case but i know this if you don't have it down here don't do it don't step out praise god step out in the will of god and so you've got to have world vision number one because that's the will of god and it's the will of God that all men receive the kingdom of God in their hearts. Number two, you've got to pray according to His will. And if we don't know what His will is, we better ascertain the will of God, discover the will of God before we pray because we want success in our prayer lives. We cannot pray against the will of God. Let me give you an illustration here. During the Civil War, there were people praying on both sides. Both sides. Oh, Lord, let the north win. Oh, Lord, let the south win. Which prayer does he answer? Which prayer does he answer? 
Can you see that? No, that shouldn't be our prayer. Our prayer should be, Father, we look to you. We want your will done in the United States of America. We want you to work out this problem that we're having in our land. And we're looking to you to manifest your power to protect your people. It shouldn't be that other way. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But pray to know the will of God in all matters. And you're well on your way to developing a successful prayer life. And then the third thing that we need to understand is that we need to know what to pray for specifically. And we need to know what kind of prayer is not the kind of prayer to pray. Because even those that were considered successful prayer warriors sometimes prayed certain prayers that God did not want them to pray. So I'm just going to give you these scriptures and you write them down. And these scriptures will help you to know what you should not be, what you should not be praying for. It's important to be successful to know the will of God in prayer. Therefore, we need to know what God wills and what God does not will. What we are to pray for and prayers we should not be praying for ourselves. And you'll be surprised and amazed as to how many people have prayed certain prayers that God's just not going to answer. And if you know that God's not going to answer the prayer, why pray it? I'll go a step further. Why pray it and let the devil answer it? Like... Oh, Lord, do whatever it takes to save uh, so-and-so. The devil will jump on that in a hurry. Kill somebody to get somebody else, supposedly to get somebody else saved. And people will think God answered that prayer and someone else got killed so so so-and-so could get saved. We ought not to pray like that. No. Write down these verses of Scripture. In 1 Kings 19, 4, Elijah prayed for death in his time of discouragement. I was talking to somebody one day and says, I just pray that I die. You do? Yes, I do. Is that the will of God that you die right now? Well, I don't know. Why are you praying that kind of prayer? Elijah, was God done with you yet? No. There was still more for you to do. Why are you praying that kind of a selfish prayer? God doesn't want us to pray that way. Your life is valuable. Your life is precious. You should not be out there praying a prayer that says, Oh, Lord, just take me home. You wear your steel-toed shoes tonight? I'm telling you, I have to, I've had to deal with some people. I just want to go home and be with Jesus. Oh, Lord, I'm praying that you take me home. Don't pray that kind of prayer. God is saying, I need you on the earth. There's about 14,000 people that will get saved if you'll just get yourself together. You think it's my will to get you out of there and take you home? It's my will that you stay. It's my will that you pray. It's my will that you have a world vision and that you help me evangelize your community. But you see, when people don't have that, they think their life is meaningless and and without value and purpose. Don't pray like Elijah did. He prays fire down from heaven and then he runs from a Jezebel, gets discouraged and says, Oh, Lord, take me home. Come on, Elijah. Now, we love you, brother, but that's not how to pray. In Numbers chapter 22 and verse 6, Balak desired that Israel would be cursed so he could win. Don't pray curses on anybody. Don't speak out words from your mouth to curse people. Don't pray that so-and-so would have something bad to happen to them. That's not the will of God. No. No, no, no. A thousand times no. The Bible said to bless even your enemy. Speak well of your enemy. Don't say derogatory statements about people and about, you know, situations because you do. You curse those things and you don't want that. And God's not in that kind of praying anyhow. But in Jeremiah chapter 14, I know that you guys know that Jeremiah would never do anything like this, but he did. Jeremiah 14 verse 11 in particular, he prayed that God would bless people who rejected his will, who were in a state of rebellion and got to a place where they had to be judged and said, now, Lord, bless them and protect them and keep them. I'm sorry. You know, the Lord spoke to him and said, don't pray that way. 
Don't pray my blessings upon these people. I'm glad that God's God and not any of us. Man, thank God he knows what he's doing. But see, we can learn some things. We can discover some things about the way he thinks. He knows when judgment time has come. There's no need to waste your breath, Jeremiah, praying that prayer because, you know, Jeremiah, that's not within the framework of my will. Now, my perfect will is that people would line up with me. But you see these hearts? They've waxed gross. They're in such a state of rebellion, there's nothing I can do. So don't pray that my hand would be stayed at this particular time. Why don't you ask me what my will is and it's my will that they be judged so that maybe a remnant could be saved. Beloved, that's pretty tough stuff, wouldn't you say? Come on, somebody say amen. Okay, another one in Luke 9 and verses 55 and 56. How many of you remember the prayer that James and John prayed about the destruction of their enemies, those that they thought were enemies? Lord, shall we send fire or shall we call down fire from heaven to consume them? They don't walk as we walk and, and all that. And you know what Jesus said to them? You don't know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man has come to spare humanity and to save life. Well, what's the difference between them and the others in Jeremiah's day? Well, they were to the point of judgment. And God always sends mercy before judgment. And their mer His mercy was rejected by those people. And so they should, Jeremiah should have known that. And it's now time for Jeremiah to look up to God and say, Well, Lord, what's your will in this matter? And where James and John were concerned, they should have looked to the Lord first and talk things over with him first and say, now, what's your will in this matter? And not just step, you know, beyond what they should have, step out beyond their bounds and say, now, should we rain down fire from heaven to consume these people? You don't know what manner of spirit you are, you're of. Isn't that what Jesus said to them? Think about that. He's the master. He's the one that's in control. I certainly want him to think like that about me. And then in James chapter 4 and verse 3, and you can couple that with Luke 12 and verse 13, James 4 and 3 and Luke 12 and 13. Don't pray covetous prayers. Don't pray covetous prayers. They prayed with wrong motives. They prayed or asked of God or asked of Jesus and that's prayer for wrong things. Remember the, the ones that came and said to Jesus, we want to make you the one to divide a, a, our inheritance and all that. They wanted him to do something that they should have taken care of on their own. He said, why are you coming to me over a matter like this? Don't trouble me with this. That's something you've got to work out on your own. No one made me a ruler and a master over your, your inheritance. But people pray covetous prayers looking to, let's say, advance themselves. And they sometimes will go to God to see if he'll get on their side. And he's saying, don't do that. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss with the wrong intent, with the wrong heart motive, and with the wrong attitude. The reason why you want that is for your own selfish lust. And so you're asking me to grant you something that I know that's going to destroy your life. No, don't pray covetous prayers. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't pray covetous prayers. It's not going to do you any good. And then there's one in Mark chapter 10 and verse 35. You remember this one? James and John. Lord, we want to ask something of you. What's that? We want you to grant us something. What's that? When you get into your kingdom, is it okay if we sit on your right and left? That's what they asked them. Isn't it? Is that okay with you? Boy, did Jesus have a response for them? And did, he, did the other disciples look down upon them for their attitudes? Absolutely. You see, what they were doing was praying for something that would exalt themselves. And Jesus says, you may drink from the same cup of salvation, but I'm going to tell you something right now. To sit on my right hand and my left hand is not up to me, it's up to the Father. And besides, if you want to have any kind of place in glory, he said, I even came to minister to people. I didn't come to be exalted. Why don't you just minister to people and accordingly you'll be exalted? 
But if you just seek to exalt yourself, your attitude's wrong, your motives are wrong, and you're not going to get anywhere in my kingdom. Now let's shift over and look at some things that we should be praying for in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. And let's look at some of these. Let's turn to some of these. We have a little bit of time to do that. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, and this is, of course, Jesus. Speaking. And let's begin reading at verse, let's see, 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You know, God's people should have a vision for the world. God's people should realize that the work of God can never, 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 ever be done, accomplished and fulfilled apart from the, the vital ministry of the Holy Ghost. It's not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord, that the work of God is accomplished, achieved and done. And so when you're alone with God and you're in that place of prayer and now you have a world vision and you start realizing there are people lost in the world dying in our own backyards, entering into damnation in our own backyards because they're bound by religious spirits and demon powers and all that. What should we be doing? Father, I cannot accomplish this without the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not talking a one-time infilling of the Holy Ghost. You said if a son would ask of you bread or food to eat in time of hunger, you would grant the Holy Ghost more so to a hungry child of God who wants to do what? Fulfill your will by demonstrating your powers to a lost and dying world. Father, fill me, flood me, overflow me with the Holy Ghost when I set out this day to live this day in your will so that everywhere I go, your power just flows out from me. It can be seen. So why? So as to dispel the powers of darkness from human lives. So as to let them know I know you in reality, so that the darkness would flee and the light would shine. Let your light so shine, he said, among men, so that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. How are we going to get them in? The same way Jesus did. He came up out of the water, the Spirit of God lighted upon him, the Bible said, and he went in the power of the Spirit everywhere. He went consciously aware of the fact that there's suffering, sighing, dying humanity off into a world of damnation unless someone somewhere does something to change their course and their direction. And so I'm telling you, he went empowered by the Holy Ghost. After he got done with the day, he went to a mountain somewhere. Sometimes he went at night. Sometimes he got up early in the morning before daybreak and he got alone with God. And I'm sure he said, Father God, I see the world. I see a, a, a people full of sorrow and, and, and I see them full of bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness and brokenheartedness. Fill me once again with the mighty power of your spirit. I'm here in your presence. Overflow me. May even the very hairs upon my head radiate the countenance of your glory. Went down from the mountain, blew the devil apart everywhere he went. Pray for the Holy Ghost to manifest himself in you. And someone says, I might get tongues. I'm so sorry. Forgive God. Forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. Someone once told me tongues is of the devil. I said, I served the devil for 24 years, played in bars, played my guitar in bars, played in clubs. I saw fights in front of me, dope flying in front of me, alcohol bottles flying in front of me. And every, I was in a place where the devil lived and breathed and controlled the people there. I, now, I wasn't a Christian at the time, and I, but I was in those places. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs and all that stuff. I didn't smoke, didn't do any of that stuff. And, but still, I was, I was in, in, in the devil's territory, on the devil's territory. I said, and I wasn't a child of God. And I used my abilities to promote that kind of activity so people could have a good time in that atmosphere. 
And never once did the devil let me speak in tongues. Not one, one time. I came to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Ghost and power, spoke with other tongues, and everybody said, you're of the devil. I didn't get him in a bar, got him in the church. Think about that. No, he gave me the tongue along with the shoe. Matthew 5, 44. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those that mistreat you. Pray for those that despitefully use and abuse you. That's something to pray for. We're told to pray for that. How many of you know that's usually at the bottom of the list? Oh, yeah, what a wonderful day, Lord. What a glorious day. You've made the sun is shining so brightly. One of the 65 that we enjoy in Pittsburgh throughout the year. I'm going to love this. Enjoy this. Glorious day of sunshine. And the first thing on my mind is all those that despitefully use me and abuse me. Love them, Father. Bless them, Jesus. Oh, may their bank accounts overflow. May their health overflow. May their children be blessed above all the peoples of the earth. Oh, come on. Who are you kidding? You don't wonder why this... He's telling you to pray for the world. First of all, he's telling you to bless him. Pray for the world, the lost. Pray for your enemies. Why? 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 Is there an answer to that question? Well, certainly there is. Matthew 5, 48. That you may be perfect. Uh-oh. As your Father in heaven is perfect. I wouldn't take that from anybody. I wouldn't pray for somebody to do something like that. You want to be perfect like your Father in, the, in heaven is perfect? You want to walk in perfect harmony with God? Do you want them to see you and see the glory of God flowing out from you? Pray for those that abuse you and despitefully use you. Pray for your enemies and love them. Oh, my goodness, saints. If we're supposed to pray for enemies, what does that mean we're supposed to do for each other? Matthew 9, 38. What to pray for? All these prayers are within the framework of the will of God. And if you have any kind of a ministry, I want you to know that God wants you to pray first and foremost for world vision. Pray first and foremost for brokenhearted humanity over all the world. Pray the kingdom of God would find its entrance into the hearts of men everywhere throughout the entire world, starting in our Jerusalem and then spreading throughout, there and beyond. God wants us to pray that labors. Look at verse 38. Pray ye therefore, Matthew 9, 38. Therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Why did Jesus ask us to pray that prayer? Apparently, there's a reason for it. And so, what we do obediently is pray it. Father God, send laborers. I know I can't go everywhere. You can't go everywhere. I'm going to tell you something right now. You know what the devil does to people? Makes them small-minded. Make you think you're insignificant and because you little old insignificant nothing, you pray this little prayer is not going to do a thing. Don't fall victim to his traps and devices. Be aware of what he does. You start praying that labors be sent out from right here to the east and the west and the north and the south. You start praying that, that God would send people out, thrusting them out into ministry, into the highways and byways of life. You can't go to every nation, every country, and every land and every people. But I'm going to tell you something right now. God will send people. God will raise up people. God will send out anointed people that you can support. And they'll go out there, praise God, because of your support. And they'll begin to preach in the highways and byways of life. And they'll bring them in from this country, that country, and whatever. And we see that happening in the earth today. We are responsible to do it. And it starts in our own Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Father, send out laborers. Send out laborers. He still didn't get to us yet. Praying for ourselves and praying for our families and, and all that. He wants us to be aware of the fact that we are by nature, that is the old man, selfish. Right? Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send labors out into his harvest. What about this one, Luke 22 and 32? Pray for the brethren. Pray for the brethren. I believe that if God's people would pray for the brethren... They wouldn't be fighting with the brethren. They wouldn't be jealous of the brethren. There'd be no conflict with the brethren. There'd be no disunity and disharmony with the brethren. In Luke 22, 32, Jesus himself set the example here. 
Look at verse 31 first. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Satan desired to have Peter. Satan wanted to destroy Peter. Satan wants to destroy everybody. Satan wants to destroy lives. That is his primary purpose of existence. Destructiveness. Kill, steal, destroy. Thwart the plan of God. Destroy businesses. Destroy marriages. Destroy families. Destroy churches. Destroy communities. Destroy, destroy, destroy. That's what he lives to do. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. Pray, 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 pray. Pray what? That people's faith would not fail. You see somebody in, uh, encountering a difficult situation. You say, I don't know what to pray for. Yes, you do. They've got some faith in God. Pray that that faith would not fail to produce the will of God. Father, it's not your will that this happened. It's not your will that that happened. I prayed that their faith would fail, not that your will would be done in their lives on earth as it is in heaven. This is all the will of God. It's praying the will of God. You realize that without us praying the will of God, the will of God is not going to be done on earth? How many of you know that? God needs beings on earth to pray so that His will be done. What else constitutes His will? Constitutes His will? You know, we're supposed to pray for the safety of His ministers. Remember when Peter got into jail? They were going to behead him. You know, when you see a man of God get in trouble, you should pray. You should pray. There's something to pray for. It's the will of God that his, his, his people be delivered. Much prayer, the Bible says in Acts 12, went up for Peter. And through the power of prayer, which was the will of God that pe Peter be delivered and set free, an angel came and opened up the, the, the door and, or they passed through it took off his chains and all that. You know the story in Acts 12. You can read it there for yourself. But you see, it was a result of prayer. This is not your will, O Lord. This is not your will that this happened to Peter. And we are going to pray. Seek your face for his deliverance. And then, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we are told to pray for our world leaders. All those that are in authority. We are to pray for them so that we would lead a, a life of quietness and honesty and peace, so that men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We're to pray for these people. And God told us to pray for them. So that is within the framework of God's will. Father, it's your will that I uphold my president. It is your will I uphold all of our government officials. And I do uphold them before you in prayer. And should there be any rebellious ones, I know your mercy will be extended before judgment. And so send your mercy upon their lives. And if they still will not listen to what you have to say, then it's, it's up to you what, what, what happens from there. We need to know the will of God in all situations with regard to prayer. And so we're to pray this way. Pray that the will of God... If you're praying for your local church, you pray, number one, when you go to, to the Father in prayer, I pray, Father God, your will into that place. I pray that your will would be done in the life of the pastor, in the life of all those that are on staff, in the life of those that are on the advisory board, in the life of every teacher, every person that is in the place. Father, I pray first and foremost that in this place we assemble together to accomplish the purpose of your will internally and externally. I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, you get that achieved, praise God, you're going to have a whole lot of revival going on. And then in Luke 21, 36, this might be one that you want to look at. Luke 21, verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. How many of you have prayed that prayer? Even though Jesus said to pray for it? You know, Jesus is coming again. You know, when you come, Lord, I pray that I'm accounted worthy to stand before your presence when you come. Boy, you get that prayer answered. I'm telling you something. You've got some good things going on in your life. Can you see that? I pray that I'm accounted worthy. To stand before your presence when you come. Amen. And then we've got some prayers in the book of, 
of James chapter 5, 16. We are told pray for, for those that are sick. Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray the prayer of faith over them for the healing of the sick. We're to pray that God will stretch forth His hand to heal, that signs and wonders would be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. All those are in the will of God. Pray for the salvation of the lost. Pray for the healing of the sick. Pray that those who are bound and afflicted would be delivered and set free by the power of God. Pray for the unity of the saints in the body of Christ. And then you've got prayers in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, we are told that we are to pray to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That's for yourself, for the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened, to know the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance and His saints, and the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the work of His mighty power that He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. And it goes on. Pray that prayer for yourself and for people in the body of Christ. We're to pray in Ephesians chapter 3 that God would give us the, His Spirit, would, would flood our hearts, strengthen what might by His Spirit in the inner man, Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith, that we would all be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all saints the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, the past and all to be filled with all the fullness of God so that God can do for us exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? If that prayer ever really got answered, God would be doing exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. How? When we're strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, and Christ is dwelling in our hearts by faith, and we comprehend the love of God, the he- length, the breadth, the depth, and height, to know the love of God that passes knowledge. We'd be filled with all the fullness of God, and God would just be able to do a small thing for us, exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And what about a Colossian prayer? In Colossians chapter 1. To be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I would walk worthy of you unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with might according unto your glorious power and all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto you, O Lord. See, you can pray that prayer and then at the end give thanks. You've made me able to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. You delivered me out of the powers of darkness. You translated me into the kingdom of the Son of your love. I have redemption through His blood, the remission of sin. Hallelujah! So now fill me with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I can walk worthy of you with my life. Seemingly, when you get hooked up with all this praying, all the other needs kind of take care of themselves. I said enough. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.